This is the God in All Things podcast, rooted in Ignatian spirituality and seeking the presence of God in the everyday. There are some reflections you can only get from a woman and mother. This weekend, my wife Sarah preached on the metaphor of parent and child to convey God's love. Paradoxically, laws like the Ten Commandments or the Sabbath are God's loving boundaries that create freedom. Sarah reflects on the difference between fulfilling an obligation and fulfilling a longing, a longing in which God delights. Keep the commandments. They will save you. This is the first line of today's reading from Sirach, a book of instruction that beautifully combines Israelite wisdom traditions with the commandments of Moses found in the Torah. The Ten Commandments are mentioned twice in Scripture, in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. When they're first presented to the Israelites, God speaks through the prophet Moses and gives this reminder before listing the divine instructions. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I want you to be free, God assures them. But as we know from the drama found in so many of the Old Testament stories, the Israelites had to be saved over and over and over again, primarily from themselves. After finally entering the promised land, they slowly disintegrate as a unified people into different tribes, follow other gods, and lose sight of who God had created and called them to be. The final line in the book of Judges, a disturbing and violent collection of stories, concludes, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own sight. When left to our own devices, independent of God's direction, we can become so self-destructive. I can only imagine the divine eye roll, similar to the parent of a toddler who repeatedly instructs their child, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove, who still has to swoop in, comfort, and wipe away tears after their child discovers the stove is indeed hot and burns themselves. It's a paradox, isn't it, that rules and boundaries create freedom. There are so many boundaries I put in place around my daughter because I want her to flourish. A green smoothie for breakfast so she has some semblance of a nutritious diet. A nap in the afternoon so she has maximum energy to play. Instructions on gentleness so she and her baby brother can develop a good relationship. Limits on what she can touch so she doesn't burn or cut herself. Similarly, I've heard the analogy of children playing in a school ground that wasn't fenced in. The kids would have to play cautiously so not to kick the ball too far or run out into dangerous traffic. But if the school grounds did have a fence, creating a boundary or limit, they could run and play freely and not worry about the traffic as the fence would contain them and their equipment. As we grow in maturity, we may learn how to safely use the stove or a pair of scissors, but those are no longer the primary cause of worry 
or fear. I'm coming to realize that so often we are afraid of freedom itself. We enslave ourselves to a fear or anxiety that paralyzes us or a desperate need for control or affirmation, among many other things. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I want you to be free and to continually live in freedom. What are some of the boundary makers in your life? I'll always remember my dad sharing a question that guided him in years of high-level positions in corporate America. Would I want my kids to know about this decision? That question may have limited some of the choices he made in the office or the boardroom, but it freed him to live with integrity, to integrate his life at home with his life at work. The commandments remind us that freedom is both a gift and a responsibility. We are called to use that freedom well. Unfortunately, the religious language we use doesn't always convey that freedom is at the heart of this way of life. Just think of why we're gathered here today. So many of us were taught that Sunday is a day of obligation. It can feel like a box to check. Even I've been guilty of attending a Saturday wedding and wondering with others, will this fulfill the obligation? A Jesuit I work with recently said, what if we thought of it not as fulfilling an obligation, but fulfilling a longing? You're not here to oblige God. Rather, your presence here delights God. I say that with a full knowledge that any parent in here with young children probably does not find the hour spent at Mass each week particularly relaxing and delightful. The death stares I've been guilty of giving my daughter at peak moments during the Eucharistic prayer often make this the most unholy hour of the week. We bring our kids not because it's easy, but because we love this faith, and we deeply believe that it deeply believe that it provides a way of life that is life-giving, and we want them to meet and grow in a relationship with God found in this community. I imagine this is a large reason why we have two babies being baptized today. Their families have found this faith, this community, a place where God is at work. As witnesses to this sacrament today, then every person in this community has a responsibility to be a continual presence of God for these children as they grow. So if Mass itself doesn't always feel like a prayerful space for one reason or another, it's important to find another time to experience Sabbath, to have alone time with God. Because our relationship with God is the most intimate relationship of our lives. And good relationships require commitment and boundaries. I used to work as a college campus minister, and students often confided in me about their dating life. I could sense the excitement in their heart after they met someone new. But so often I heard, but we're just keeping it casual. We're not defining anything right now. And my heart would hurt 
because I knew that that was grounded in a sense of fear. Fear of appearing needy or of desiring something too much. But the reality is, if you can't share your hopes or your desires with someone, you're not really sharing yourself. These readings today and the commandments they stress as being so important remind us that God wants to define our relationship. We're told in more ways than one throughout scripture, I have called you by name, you are mine. I want all of you, not just your Sunday best. You shall have no other gods before me. I want to spend time with you. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. And I want our relationship to impact the way you treat others. Seek reconciliation with your brother. Treat women as more than an object. Advocate for every person's dignity and worth. God is inviting us into an integrated life. One in which our faith impacts all that we do. I love that line at the end of today's gospel. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Be convicted in who you are and what you stand for and allow that belief to inform every part of your life. You are the light of the world, we heard in last week's gospel, which immediately precedes today's reading in the gospel of Matthew. Let your light shine before others. Be free. To close, I want to share a prayer attributed to Pedro Arupe, the former superior general of the Society of Jesus. It goes, Nothing is more practical than finding God than falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love. Stay in love. And it will decide everything. Let your yes mean yes. It will save you.